All right, so hey everyone, welcome back to a Spark Ninja podcast. David here, and I have got a, I would call him a special guest, but he's not really because I've been speaking about him for years and years. Uh, never really had him on anything, so it's time that we kind of listen from him, listen from the guru, so to speak, and actually let him kind of probably just try to wind me up at the other end of this microphone. So who are you? I'm your dad, you get. <laughs> <laughs> so what do I, what do I call you? Do I call you dad? Do I call you pop? I mean, everyone, this is Phil Watts, we, by call the way. Me what you want to call me. But, uh, yeah, I, yeah, this is Phil Watts, um, but you'll find him on some social media. He's not very active, but he, he no, knows. He's, he's got some time. He might get a bit more active at the moment. But, okay, so, pop. Yes, mate. Tell us a bit about yourself. Right, okay, so how I got in the electrical game. Uh, my father, your grandfather, mm-hmm. was an electrician. Um, I got thrown out of school at 15. I was told I couldn't be educated, um, told that I was a waste of time, and I had no future, and I got kicked out of school when I was 15. Um, so I actually started working on building sites. Uh, I was actually underage at the time, because you had to be 16, and I started working on a site at 15, and obviously I went to work with my dad. Um and started as an electrician's mate at the age of 15. Um, in those days, it, you did everything you were told. You were sort of like, you went out to go to, the, go to the shops and get the guys their lunch, you know, move all their tools around for them, tidy up after them. And I didn't touch a tool for about three months. Yeah. I wasn't allowed to touch anything at all for about three months. And my first job was clipping, clipping of cables. So I was trusted to clip some cables. And I always remember that my father told me to go up in the loft and I was told to clip the cables around the loft every nine inches mm. yeah, without fail, every nine inches. And I got up in the loft and very shortly got rather bored with measuring it. <laughs> and I used the handle of the hammer. I thought that's about nine inches. And I started using the handle of the hammer as to space my clips out. And so uh, I got round this loft and clipped most of the cables round. And then my father popped his head up through the hatch and said, right, it's lunchtime. And I started coming out of the loft. He said, hang on, what's the distance of those clips? I said, well, about nine inches. He said, I didn't say about nine inches. I said, nine inches. He said, that's more like 11. Measure it. And it was exactly 11 inches. (laughs) And he said, well, what did you use to measure that with? I said, the handle of the hammer. I said, right, okay, he said. So I started coming down that lift. He said, where are you going? I said, I'm going to lunch. You just said it's lunchtime. Not for you, he says. You've got to reclip all that in your own time. And and that's how I learned. Um, So my dad was a good electrician, quality-wise, you know, good quality stuff. Uh, He he cared a lot about the job, cared Mm. a lot about quality, how it looked, and doing the job correctly. It wasn't the, 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 the most sort of academic. He wasn't a brilliant mathematician, but he was a good tradesman. He's a, a craftsman. That's a key word. Yeah. I always think he's of him craftsman. when I think of a craftsman. Yeah. yeah. So that's how I started. And then I put myself through evening classes at Bracknell College, Bracknell Wokenham College, and put myself through classes there two nights a week. Initially, did my 236, um, went on from there, I did my 2391, back in the old days when the 2391 was the 2391, <laughs> and the 16th edition yeah. um, was my first uh, wiring regs. I was started off at the 15th edition, but I never actually sat the course then. 
Oh, I did the 16th edition. Um, and then gradually learnt more and more and more. And, it, I mean, electrical trade is a brilliant trade to get into. I loved it. Um, and it's got so many different aspects to it. Uh, my father always tried to deter me from going into the electrical trade. Really? And he did, yeah. He said, the last thing you want to do is be an electrician. Um, and I'd look at it completely the other way around because I, w- I would recommend it to anybody. It's a brilliant trade. You know, we've got some really good people working in the trade. We've got some really good people working around the trade. Um, got some not so good as well, but uh, <laughs> get that everywhere. But uh, <clears throat> so when you came to leaving school, and that's why I recommended it to you. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when you want you to see, you decided you'd like to do it. Um, that's when you came to work with me, and I put you through an apprenticeship. So I remember, uh, I remember one of the key things was you telling me that you know you may not want to do this for the rest of your life, but you don't know what else there is to do. And you basically said, if you do this, at least you'll have that skill. You've always got to fall always, back on. Yeah, you'll always have that to fall back on, and I think that was pretty much the thing that sealed it for me. Uh, I'm, I always say because I've worked in FE colleges with apprentices I've worked with young people and how anybody knows at the age of 16 what they want to mm. do for the rest of their life it's nonsense you don't know what you want to do I've changed careers within the electrical trade I've changed careers several times I've had I had 18 years as a fireman retained uh, I ran a fire station for 9 years um but I did that alongside the electrical work. But within the electrical arena, I've worked on domestic, I've worked on commercial, I've worked on industrial, I've done maintenance, I've done inspection and testing, I've got into temporary electrical installations, doing events, um, you know, sports events, uh, music events, all sorts of things. Got into design, got into estimating, you know, and then I got into teaching. Uh, yeah. And you know, I've had and, now. And the funny thing is, you still know that there's more you could go into. There's still oh, more nuts. that you could do. It really yeah. is quite quite a great trade for that. It's a brilliant trade because you never stop learning. Every day is a school day. It's a brilliant trade, and I would recommend it. Highly recommend it to anybody. Yeah. Um, and yeah, for for younger people, yes, if you might decide. I've I had one uh, apprentice that I taught many years ago. Uh, and he's now an airline pilot. Oh, really? He was a brilliant electrician, lovely lad, yeah. really, really good guy. I knew his dad because his dad came and did courses with me as well. Um, yeah. uh, his dad still works as an electrician, but he went off. Um, he went to Australia for a while, worked as an electrician yeah. out there. So electrical trade took him out to Australia, enabled him to travel. He came back. He, d- he decided to train as an airline pilot, and that's what he's doing now. And good luck to him. You know, he's mm. done his time as an electrician. He's gone on to something else. Who knows? Maybe in 10, 15 years' time, he might come back to the electrical trade. But mm. uh, for young people, yeah, it's, I would always recommend it. But I would always say to them, you know, you're 16, 17, 18, whatever it is now, um, you don't have to do this for the rest of your life. But it's a great trade to get into, and it will give you that to put in your back pocket you can use at any time. What's your um? What's your opinion on apprentices or apprenticeships at the moment? Because I, I was, as I say, I, I was I was Ooh. lucky in that you basically offered me an apprenticeship. 
yeah. offered me an opportunity. But there are so many people. I mean, we we visit colleges, and we uh, Paul and Dan from the Five Group visited a college not long ago, and there was about seventy to eighty apprentices there doing apprenticeships, but they had no jobs. You know, so what's what's <laughs> It's, it's like, yeah. what's your opinion on, on apprentices or how apprentices are introduced to the industry at the moment? The old the old sort of way of doing apprenticeships was you'd, you'd obviously get a, a, point, a position with a company and then the company would get you an apprenticeship or give you an apprenticeship and then you'd sort of set up with the college. So you go to college one day a week uh, and you do that for three years. Um, then you do your full three years in MVQ and then sort of uh, do your AM2 at the end of it. Um, that's gone rather awry in some cases because I remember two of the colleges that I worked at where guys would actually come in initially as an apprentice and then they might lose their job within four, five, six weeks. And then the college would keep them on um, and then try desperately to find another employer for them. Sometimes they were successful and sometimes they weren't so successful. And some of the colleges do a really good job in um, sort of getting on to local employers and recommending um, guys for jobs we we did it one of the colleges i worked at they were very very active in that and we got some really good young lads who were really really worthwhile really engaged really keen on 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 the job and we ended up placing them with companies and it was it was great when you sort of meet them sort of five six seven years later how you getting on and you know they either work their way up through the company and they're now one of the senior sort of guys uh, they're going out doing inspection and testing or in some cases they might have gone off and, and started for themselves mm. um, but it's great when you see the success stories within the industry um, and you think oh gosh you know perhaps we had a little tiny part in that and that's what makes the, the job so good um, there are other aspects of the apprenticeship which aren't so good. Um, it doesn't always work. One of the big issues with um, some of the colleges that I worked with was the fact that the apprentices were worth somewhere in the region of about thirteen, fourteen thousand pound to the college, mm. but only, only if they achieved. And this so um... then puts pressure on the college to get them through. Mm whatever you know hell or high water no, no matter whether they're good bad indifferent um the college is trying desperately to get them through and in some cases this led to things not being as um tight as they should be shall we say um and that's one of the reasons that you, mean the, um, you mean the quality assurance may have been a little bit quality assurance was uh, almost non-existent um and certain uh, mechanisms within the college were basically ensuring that um, yeah they they it's achieved just, whether or uh, not they yeah they'd actually learnt whether they actually uh, knew the job and in some cases um, I know on at least one occasion where pretty much an exam was done for the guys and that was a time when I just said look I've had enough of this I can't condone this and, and I left that particular college mm. um, which which is great because you know I went off and started up on my own and uh, and I've never looked back so um, but that was an issue and it was I mean you know there were a number of guys working at the college who were all saying this isn't right this, this shouldn't be done this way um, but 
you know, mm. eventually, eventually it did get sorted. I know that because I knew somebody who carried on working there for a number of years, and eventually it did get sorted. But yeah, I was- had um, I had communications with a, a, a college I worked at. I had communications from a guy on LinkedIn who is now in charge. Uh, and he's tried to assure me that a lot of practices that were there have now improved. But it's it's one of the reasons that I've got my eyes on training and FE in particular, warding bodies, which we're going to have to cover in other podcasts about the quality of training through the whole line. But you start you start you start a level two or a level three calendar year, and you'd have something like twenty five to thirty guys. The college has crammed them in. So when you come to practical, it's quite dangerous sometimes to have that many people yeah. as one assessor doing the isolation procedure. Procedure, and they're all curing up. This is quite dangerous because the because the thing is, the colleges know that after a couple of weeks or halfway through, a lot of those guys are going to drop out or lose jobs, and they're going to, as you say, try to keep them in jobs because the colleges need them to stay in jobs because that's how they get their end fund mm. by getting them through. Um, I don't know, right? I mean, I've not been in FE for a couple of years, but if if if, it, if that model hasn't changed, it's just so corruptible. With regards well, to quality, let, if you if you think about that, if you if you turn that over to say an MOT business, yeah, yeah, you set, you've got an MOT business, and if you turn around to that MOT business and said you're only going to get paid if you pass, <laughs> you know, we're not going to pay for this MOT unless you actually pass the car. You only get paid if the the car passes. Uh, yeah, how would that affect the quality of the MOTs? Yeah, you know, with the best will in the world, you know, MOT centres would start thinking. Well, hang on, I might let that go. I might let that go. Things that they might normally pick up, you know, maybe the odd bulb here and there, you know, or the odd windscreen washer to start with. But then you'd get some that would say, well, okay, fair enough, you know, all right, it's got four wheels. We give it an MOT. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is the problem with that sort of model. If you only pay on success. Or achievement, yeah, then it encourages bad practice. Mm. I think that's the key thing. You know, we have to be careful when we say success. Success in this case is the ability to pass, complete, and pass an assessment. Yeah, it doesn't. You know, that doesn't in any way determine the actual journey to that point, no. and whether whether it was you know ethically done correctly or yeah. if it was you know driven to succeed. Yeah. Uh, the quality of the actual learning sort of engagement and everything else is not sort of guaranteed by somebody getting a piece of paper at the end of it. <laughs> no, it's not. Uh, so you no. say, so you, you know, you see, you see, you left, you started your own training company. This is yeah. um, Ascot College of Electrical Studies Limited. That's a, a unique name. Where, where, where's that, where'd that name come from? Because <laughs> uh, I lived in Ascot. And, uh, you lived in Ascot? Yeah, and I was working in Ascot, so I was based in Ascot. So you thought so I'd do it from there. Ascot? Okay. So that's why I call it Ascot College, or so I call it <laughs> Timbuktu. I don't, you know, so Ascot College sort of uh, yeah, yeah. one over the day. But, um, yeah, most of our courses, or a lot of our courses, are held um, at a venue at Ascot Race Course. So, um, it's actually, you know, I was there a few weeks ago. It's a very nice, calm good venue yeah yeah nice and quiet you know, a lot of the guys that come there like it because it's nice and calm there's plenty of parking it's easy to get to um but we also deliver, we deliver around the country so you know we're mobile as you know because you've come with me you know we've yeah. done courses in dubai um so uh-huh. you know we, we we do do courses nationwide and, and further but uh, yeah and actually just for completeness if i do any work where i deliver City Guild's accredited training. It's quality assessed by yourself. 
as a company so any sitting girls training that I deliver is Ascot College you know so it's you know it's got to be you know it's got to have good quality and we <laughs> we spent many a times actually meeting up just to actually do quality assurance meetings and things like that yeah. and it's quality yeah. assurance is something even this is where we're starting to get into private training i've done work with many different private training companies and quality assurance is a big problem in this industry for training it's it's so varied. That's the trouble. There are some really good companies out there. There's some really good trainers out there who do care. They do give a damn. Um, they are working ethically, but equally, there's a number of people that are not. And this is the issue. And it's always the the bad apples that spoil the rest of the barrel. Yeah. Uh, and and this is the issue. It's the same with every. I think it's the same with every trade. I think it's the same with every sort of job you go into you you've got a lot of people out you've got a lot of sparkies out there that do really good work know what they're doing they're really competent really skilled but you've also got a number of people that i wouldn't trust putting a plug top on you know mm. and they're practicing as electricians and you think well we need somehow to glean these people out of the industry because they're taking the work away from the good guys you know and, and that's, that's so, one of the big issues so what do you see as the future of training Oh, um, I would love to see. I'm, you know, living in a, a utopian world. Um, if everybody had an ethical sort of approach to things, um, it would be great because people would be looking at the quality of what's being delivered rather than whether or not they get 100% achievement. And I often say to people. I hear companies saying, oh, we get 100% of our people through, everybody passes. Ugh. I think, well, if everybody passes, there's something wrong with your assessments. They're not tough enough mm. because not everybody can pass every assessment. Um, I've had guys that worked for me many years ago when I ran an electrical contracting firm um, who did level two, got to level two. Uh, there's one particular guy who was a, he was a great guy, you know, um, but he would never go any further. He really struggled to get through level two. Um, and I talked to the local college and I talked to him and we had a big chat, a big meeting one morning and discussed whether or not he wanted to go any further and he didn't because he said, I, I don't think I can manage it and I didn't really want to put him in that position. Uh, and we looked around and we actually found him a job working for a wholesaler, electrical wholesaler. Oh, wow. So he, he used the skills that he'd learned with us mm -hmm. uh, in his wholesaling practice. And within six months, he was the assistant manager. And within about two years, he was the manager of the electrical wholesalers. And he's still there now. You know, so he's made a very successful career using his electrical knowledge, mm -hmm. which was based on the first two years of the apprenticeship. Yeah, uh, and he used that knowledge to be a very good electrical wholesaler, mm. you know. Uh, and this is the thing: is that it doesn't suit everybody, and we need to have perhaps stepping off points, maybe. So, do you think maybe the industry or the training has been moulded to try to suit everybody? That's one size fits all, isn't it? And it doesn't. Yeah. It's the trouble. The industry is so widespread. We've got so many different facets to this industry that to have one apprenticeship to fit everything doesn't work well that's what we have right now is we have these people who are probably like this gentleman who don't quite cut 
to meet to the level three. So it's been molded to accommodate them. But those yeah. who could go beyond level three, that we're all stuck in the same sphere. We're all just yep. shoved in the same space. Um, and, we, and we end up with, we end up with operatives that have varying levels of competence. So we just see such a different <laughs> scope of work now when we look at the, do you remember, do you remember when you were delivering uh, the two, three, six, five? Yeah. The, the module on motors. Yeah. Yeah. We went through single phase motors, three phase motors, DC motors, AC motors, all the different types and everything else. And a lot of the guys said, what on earth are we what doing? What on earth is all this? I'm never going to touch a motor in my life. Yeah. And this is one of the issues. Now, why couldn't we have had a, a module on neutron lighting or something like that? Or some other, you know, these sort of smart lighting systems or some other module which would have been something far more useful to them, you know? Well, well, that's a Rock very good argument. Let's just keep it's... banging these motors into them because it's part of the, the, the you know... All right, for some people it would be. Some but people. It should, but there should be that sort of flexibility. I guess this is a problem, though, is they try to shove everybody into the one classroom experience, and the training fundamentally then is there's not enough time to give them all the training that they need so they keep giving them the same one thing um and i've said this i said this in the podcast i did with the lecture just recently the industry the training industry needs to be knocked down and rebuilt um because you're right uh, manufacturers need to have much more influence in the industry with from a training perspective both in the workshop in the college but also in the technical training now we look at we look at switch gear like um schneider's latest stuff we look at switch types you know I, I see domestic electricians on instagram and they're putting up devices i mean you can your smart homes so you have your your nest and your ring doorbells and stuff but there's other stuff and i'm just like never seen that before yeah you know uh, and that stuff needs to start coming into colleges. The PowerPoints, the slides, the information, the material on on motors and generators and screw cage and stuff. It's interesting, but a lot of yeah. people will disconnect from its uh, from its purpose. But I've got to say, when I first started teaching in FE College, um, my my I actually went to the FE College to sign up for a um, HNC. And oh, really. That's what uh, that's what I went for. Went to sign on for an HNC, and and you came uh, out with a contract. I to came out training. with a job instead. Yeah, <laughs> no, I went to sign on for the HNC. Went through. They asked me a load of questions. Why I wanted to do it. This, that, and the other. And then they turned around and said, "Well, actually, we're not running it." I said, "Well, thanks very much. <laughs> why? Why are you wasting my time?" And they said, "Well, have you ever thought about teaching?" I said, "Well, yes, I have." Because I'd, by that time, I'd had nine years as a station commander at a fire station, so I was you're, used to think, training. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I think, I think your your time with the brigade was starting to finish, wasn't it? You were just... Yeah, were, I was, yeah. There was stuff happening that you just... You know, you just a lot of paperwork like, going in. Yeah, you, were, you, being tired, you weren't on the pump as much. And, uh, well, I say nonsense. It wasn't nonsense, but um, it wasn't... The, the job was changing, and I was you getting to change. tired with it. Um, but I'd had nine years of being in charge of the station, so nine years of training the guys up and, and sort of 
taking them through the ropes. So I was used to teaching and training people. So when I was asked whether or not I'd ever considered teaching, I was like, well, yeah, I have. Yeah, they said, well, would you like a job with us? I said, well, mm. hey. They said, well, would you like an interview? So they gave me the interview <laughs> there and then. Oh, did they? This was on a Monday. Mm. And it was a three-hour interview, and I had to give a little lecturette on making off MI cable. So oh, I, I had to do that. I had to do it in the workshop. Yeah, down the workshop, make off an yeah. MI and talk through what I was doing and this, that, and the other. So I did okay. that, and they asked me a few questions about teaching, and I just gave them answers I thought would be relevant to teaching. Yeah. Um, and they said, right, we'll, we'll give you our... We'll put your scores together and we'll let you know, you know, probably give you a call on Thursday and let you know how you've done. Did you get out of the car park? So I got into the car. I went driving out the car park. As I'm driving out the car park, my phone went, so I stopped, answered the phone. They said, when can you start? So was this because they just had no other trainers or what was the... Well, you see, I thought I I was really, really, really good, you know, Uh, or they were completely in the poo. Yeah, they were completely in the poo, yeah. Um, Yeah. They They'd lost a couple of guys, and there was a couple. There was a guy off sick, uh, and they were really struggling. Um, so I said, "Well, I could come tomorrow," because at that time uh, my father was still working with us. So I, was, when I went back to the office, I said, "Can you look after things tomorrow?" Because I've got a, a teaching thing. Which he just said, "Yeah, fine, no problem." He didn't ask any questions. And I went in on Tuesday, and. Um, first 20 minutes nobody actually even talked to me so I sat in the office and I thought well this is silly so when I found one of the guys that I'd seen the day before and I went and sat in his lesson for till half past 10 and then after that we had a cup of tea and then at 11 o'clock I was walking down the corridor and he was coming the other way with a big pile of papers he said I'm glad you're here he said this is for you you're teaching that lot in there and that was my introduction to teaching <laughs> So, you know, I went and, hi, guys, I'm your new teacher. Yeah. And that was it. So, and I spent the first, my first lesson was, okay, guys, what are you doing? Why do you want to be an electrician? Because I was totally unprepared and I just thought I'll get to know the guys and why they want to be an electrician, what they want to see from the job, where they want to go with the job and that sort of stuff. Uh, And we hit it off straight away. And then I spent sort of lunchtime pouring through some stuff to do for the afternoon, winged it for the afternoon, and then, uh, (laughs) yeah. And then it was back into the office when I let them all go. What the hell am I doing? What are you doing? But uh, uh, fundamentally, um, at least least you kind of had that mindset to actually ask and engage with the guys. I think that's one of the things that shocked them when I first started is is that that point of you trying to actually talk to them and communicate and ask them. I think that was missing with a lot of the others. All right. Well, um, we've just hit hit half an hour. So what we're going to probably do is we're going to tie this one up. But I think we're going to have to probably do a series with you, Pop, because I think we should do a okay. podcast that's just about seven nine oh nine. Yeah, because that's a very important area that I want to. Yeah, temporary stuff. Yeah, I want to do one on the fire. Obviously, because yep. with the fire, I want to cover obviously your opinion on the regulations and how they've changed over time, and yeah. more, more, more also about your opinion on how the industry has approached that regulation. You know, with it, is it you know the retrospectiveness of that, and and you know with regards to premature collapsing, but also you know without without I going to it right like now, that. I don't like that word. Yeah, premature collapse premature collapse but without yeah. going to it right now i know you've got no. lots to talk about that and i yeah. think i want to i want a good discussion just on fire premature collapse cable clips etc so i want to talk about that one 
Uh, we can cover more on the training. We can talk specifically about the inspection testing training on one. Um, yeah. And then, yeah, then we can also mention testing. Special uh, testing, but there's also... The tests, that, the tests that we don't do that we should the do. Tests, the tests that we don't do, the form, the filling Ooh. of the form. Yeah. yeah, all the stuff all the stuff we get out to when we meet up and those wonderful conversations that makes everyone else in the room think, bloody, I'll leave them too, to it. Yeah. Uh, and also your part in the Part P shenanigans. The select committee, uh, the select committee oh, okay. meetings and the stuff. And, and you know, uh, and basically your involvement with E5 as well. There's lots to talk about. And so we're going to do some more. Thanks for coming on, Pop, and um, no we'll do another one very, very soon. All right. Okay, mate. All right. Cheers, guys. Take care.